0: I wanna, uh, as I begin to read this, I want to I remind you just throughout this series, um, specifically as we're looking at these nine Beatitudes, that every one of them begin with the word blessed or bless Ed. Um, and, and we specifically want Ed to feel blessed throughout this series. But blessed does not mean happy. It's really important because that's how we define blessed. Well, God wants to bless me. He wants to... Open up the windows of heaven and, and pour out happiness that I can't no 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 A blessing it means to be more than happy. It's not based on what happens. The blessing of the Lord has nothing to do with the economy. I can't get no help today. y'all went silent on me right there. The blessing of the Lord. Has nothing to do with, I'm going to go ahead and say it because my wife's not here to shake her head at me yet. Has nothing to do with that idiot in traffic. Come on, it's not okay to say that word at people. I'm just, in general, the blessing of God has nothing to do with the temperature of the room. (laughs) And or how many angry people are in that room. Blessing is more than happy. It's beyond our circumstances. God is not interested. I'm I'm not trying to hurt your feelings. I I just want to help you understand. God is the perfectly holy, heavenly Father. He doesn't enable selfish children. That's not what he does. He's not a grandmother. Come on, somebody. I can't. can't. (laughs) He's a perfectly holy, heavenly Father. He is not interested in your happiness He is interested in your holiness. Don't get mad at God because he's trying to make you holy. Come on, that's just good parenting. Like, I don't wake my son up and go, Hey, buddy, good good morning. Hey, I'm I'm so sorry. I'm not trying to make you mad, but would you like to go to school today? (laughs) Are you okay? Did you sleep good? Good. Did, did you have a bad dream? If you had a bad dream, you can just stay in the bed all day. Oh, that's bad parenting. Hey, get up. It's time to go to school. Dad, it's summer. Oh, well, get up. It's time for me to go to work, and you do something productive while I'm gone. Come on, somebody. I just want to sleep in. I don't care what you want. I have a responsibility, come on, I don't want to spend too long on it. I have a responsibility to raise you into the person that you were created to be. That doesn't mean that I'm mad at you. It just means that I love you so much. I am more interested in you becoming holy as he created you to be than I am whether you're happy and satisfied about sleeping in every day. That's just good parenting. Listen, Jesus wants us to have an internal joy. An internal joy that is bolder and bigger than anything that happens. He wants us to have an eternal security. Okay? That doesn't ebb and flow with temporary circumstances. And or... Temporary satisfaction. Let's read it. Matthew chapter 5. I began in verse 2. I won't read the whole thing every week, I don't think. But Jesus opened his mouth and he taught them. He's teaching us. We're digging in this summer. Verse 3. Blessed more than happy, more than satisfied are the poor in spirit. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. And verse 4. Blessed are those who mourn for they shall be comforted. I'm not gonna re-preach this at all. If you missed last week's message, I'm not bragging, I'm just saying it's probably one of the best messages I've ever preached in my life. I can say that because God's still sanctifying my pride and arrogance anyways, but but my wife and multiple people told me that was one of the best messages God has allowed me to If you missed that message, I want you to go back And hear what God has for you. What does it mean to be poor in spirit? What does it mean to mourn? And what does it mean that the kingdom of heaven shall be inherited by you and you shall be comforted? Verse 5, here's where we're going this week. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. And blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. I heard a funny earlier this week. It's really kind of a dad joke, but I'm going to go with it anyways. Um, and it's just, it, it, it actually doesn't fit until point number two, but I wanted to just throw it in right here just for, because I wanted to. And so if anybody knew about being satisfied and what it meant to inherit the whole earth, it would be Solomon, right? I mean, he was wise. The Bible says wiser than any individual that had ever lived. He had everything that the world had to offer and more. Um, in fact, biblical studies show that his dad, um, David, as <laughs> you need to know that one, his his dad, King David, he gave a larger offering. This shows how much Solomon had. David's offering to the house of God was more than any one man's net worth that is alive on the earth today. The offering, okay? That's how much Solomon had. And if you read Ecclesiastes, he did not seem happy with it. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. What is a concubine? Look it up on your own. That's not why I'm here today. That's what he had, okay? (laughs) And a Bible college student asked a professor, why was Solomon able to have so many wives and expecting that the professor would respond with a theological exploitation and or an expository explanation? of why Solomon was allowed to have so many wives. He sat up in the chair as the professor began to respond and the professor said, the reason that Solomon had so many wives is because he woke up every day hoping that just one of them would be in a good mood. Come on somebody, that's funny. That's funny right there, that is, that's funny. All right, write this down. Number one, now that you're with me. Number one, meekness. I, t- I stole that joke from Pastor Chris Hodges. Number one, meekness is not weakness. This is important. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Some of you may have seen this fall a minute ago. Um, some sweet baby girls uh, Pluck these off of a chicken for me. <laughs> That's funny. You country when you start pulling feathers off of chickens because the pastor said he needed a feather. Okay, so meekness, meekness is not is not a feather. We we have an idea in this culture like Christians are. Oh, well, we're supposed to be supposed to be meek and humble. That doesn't mean that you become a doormat for other people to wipe their feet on. Okay, meekness is not a feather. Oh. "'Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus.'" No, 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 no. Meekness is not men acting like women. Meekness is not some feminine quality that all people are... Meekness is not a feather that just graciously... We are soft on sin, and that's not meekness. Listen, God's grace does not excuse me from my sin. God, come on, I don't because you're going to get hurt your feelings right here if you're not careful or you're going to misquote me. God's grace does not excuse me from my sin. It pays for my sin. God's grace is not an excuse for me to continue in my sin. God's grace is the power that allows me to overcome my sin. Meekness is not a feather that I just take grace for granted and, and we're soft on sin. That's not what... That's not what meekness is. It's not this idea that, that we're an introvert and we just keep to ourselves and, and we never say anything and, and, and we're, never, we're never mean and we don't speak to things that need to be spoken to and stand for things that need to be stood for, okay? Meekness is not a feather. Now, on the, on the other end of the spectrum, because some of you Christians are better with this than you are... With this. In fact, you use this as if it's this. (laughs) Meekness is not a sledgehammer. Come on, you ever wanted to sledgehammer somebody? I have. Just felt it in my spirit. If I just had a sledgehammer right now, I could fix this whole thing. This was my daddy's sledgehammer. He probably wanted to use this on me a time or two. I broke the last handle. I had to replace the handle on this. This thing is about my age and it has been used to sledgehammer a lot of things. What do you even use this for? I mean, like, drive t posts, right? That's about the only thing. And I try not to do it because I hurt my finger. Every single time I hurt my finger that I try to drive, but I do it. So this is not what Christianity is. This is not what meekness is. It's, it's not the opposite end of the spectrum where you go around looking for an opportunity to wish somebody would. Come on, you know what I mean? Like, this is not how you handle society. Come on, because you can't win people that you're beating, and you can't win people that you're whipping. This is not meekness. Let me show you if I can get this thing out. And I've used this on more than one occasion. I was trying to think what is a good example of meekness. Meekness is—it's not a weakness or, a, or, or or this excessive gentility or over extension of grace. It's, it's not an introvert or, or somebody who's soft on sin. Meekness is the strength of God under self-control. It's like the Bible. It's sharper than a double-edged sword. See, you can use the word of God to defend the truth. But you need to remember that every time that you swing this, it's double-edged. So it doesn't just defend, it also defines. That's what it means, that the word of God is a double-edged sword. So the meekness of a follower of Jesus, meekness very simply. I think this is the best definition. Meekness is strength surrendered. It's strength sheathed. Remember when Jesus said, Peter, sheathe your sword. He was saying, Peter, the meek shall inherit the earth. There's a time to step forward. There's a time to say something. But it's not with a sledgehammer. It's with the strength of God under self-control. Exercising God's strength with power, love, and self control. See, a lot of Christians, followers of Jesus, we like to operate in power, love, or self control. But that's not strength surrendered. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 11, verse 29 Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Many followers of Jesus aren't living for him because they're not learning from him. You can't live for Jesus if you're not learning from Jesus. And if you don't ever spend any time with Jesus, then you're never going to learn from Jesus. Guys, I can't stress this enough. Summer is not the time to take a break from Jesus. Summer is not the time to take a break from digging into God's word. Summer... Come on, summer is the time to produce what you've been storing up all year, what you've been hoping and praying and seeing God. Isn't it interesting that when nature is flourishing, come on, the church is falling? The summer is the time where you can expect more empty seats in worship centers. It's the time when for whatever reason, Followers of Jesus become more like the world than any other time of the year. And while nature is flourishing, the church is fading. And then we come back in. And Jesus says, No, no take my yoke upon you and learn from me. Why? For I am gentle. This is really important. That is the same word in the Greek that Jesus spoke in the Sermon on the Mount when he said, blessed are the meek. Jesus Christ said, I am gentle. I am the definition of strength. All power, all authority, all glory surrendered and humbled. I am gentle. I am not one that will waste I'm lowly at heart. I'm I'm poor in spirit. And when you do this, come on, the Bible is full of these. If this, then this. When you do this, you will find rest for your soul. You won't lay awake at night losing sleep have anxiety all day long and need 18 different pills to fix the anxiety that fixed the pill, that fixed the stomach ache, that fixed the headache, that fixed the nausea, that gave you the too much energy throughout the day, so you need something else to sleep at night. I'm not saying I have anything against supplementation of medicine. I'm for that when there's a legitimate issue. But I think that we run to doctors more than we run to the great physician. And we've got to get this right. Because the Bible, come on, Jesus is talking to people that couldn't go to the pharmacy. Did you know that? There was not like a first century pharmacy. Like you just, you couldn't like ride up on your donkey and get down. You know, it's, that's not how that worked. Jesus said, listen, take my yoke because mine's lighter than yours. It's also more fulfilling. By the way, you don't get to decide when to take it off and when to put it on. Don't leave it laying around. Take my yoke and learn from me, for I am gentle. I'm doing what I told you to do. I'm showing you how. And then you will find rest for your soul. Write this down. I believe it's in your notes. I didn't think it was. I said online it wasn't, but it is. An angry person is an exhausted person. You show me somebody who's mad, I'll show you somebody who's miserable. You show, you show me somebody who is bitter and unforgiving and offended and angry, and I will show you somebody who is broken and in need of personal healing. An angry person is an exhausted person. Come on, this is so good. But a humble person. Somebody who has the strength of God. Properly sheathed in self-control. A humble person shall inherit the whole earth. A humble person is made whole. This is so good in teaching. I don't normally read from this version of the Bible because I think it's too loose and I don't like it. But that's just my personal opinion. So if you don't feel that way, that's okay. Matthew chapter 5. Verse five, I'm gonna read this from the Message Bible because I actually love how this is interpreted here. It says, you are blessed when you're content with just who you are. Okay, time out. That's why I don't like the Message version (laughs) because that's not necessarily true. But what it would say would be better is you are blessed when you're content with who God created you to be. Not me. Not somebody else, not your neighbor, not your friend on Facebook and or Instagram, or if you're not old TikTok, come on somebody. (laughs) But when you're content with who God created you to be, no more, no less. Poverty, riches, I don't care, I just want the presence. That's the moment you find yourselves, I love this phrase, this is why I use this, proud owners of everything that can't be bought. You're proud owners of everything that you cannot pay for. There's no dollar amount on it. There's not a price tag for it. People try to buy for themselves power. People try to buy for themselves influence. People try to buy peace. They try to buy happiness. They try to maintain enough material possession. They try to gain enough accolades Come on, if I could just be appreciated, if, if someone would just show me gratitude, if I just had this person in my life, if I just had this spouse, if I just had this person, Friend, if the church wouldn't have done this, if the pastor wouldn't have said this, if my boss wouldn't have done this, if I could just find the right job, if I could just find the right employer, and we're always looking for the next thing or the next person, and we're willing to pay whatever we can because we have no rest for our soul. But what we need to understand is that anything that you can buy, you can lose. And you can't buy the peace of God. You can't purchase the peace of God. You can't inherit the whole earth with your determination. Because there are still some things you will never have. I love this. The Holy Spirit gave me this. He had to. It's too good to be me. Jesus' inheritance can't be bought. The inheritance that Jesus has for you cannot be bought. Write this down. It can only be Received. What do you do to receive the inheritance of Jesus? Surrender. See, some people would say, nothing. You can't, oh, no, no, no. You crucify your flesh. You take up your cross daily. You deny yourself. It is the greatest work that you will ever do. What? Getting over you. (laughs) You. I don't like it either. Come on, somebody. And the, what's so funny is even when I say that, other, if, if, when I say that, you start thinking of somebody that needs to get over themselves. Isn't that funny? I got you. Yeah. <laughs> Instead of thinking of all the areas in my life that I need to get over myself, I immediately, I listen to sermons thinking, who else needs to be listening to this right now? Not just earthly wealth. You, you, the meek do not just inherit the whole earth and all the land and all the possessions and all the accolades and, and all the appreciation and all the athletic gr- glory and the, the academic success and, and rise up the corporate ladder and, and achieve secular salvation, rags to riches. No, no, no. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus, I believe, blessed are. The meek and they shall inherit peace that surpasses all understanding. Blessed are the meek and they shall inherit joy unspeakable and full of glory. Blessed are the meek and they shall have patience with people that they don't like. Come on, somebody. You don't have to pray for patience, God will give you opportunity. Come on, somebody. And you know who he'll, he'll normally send? He'll send the person that's been praying that God would reveal himself. And it's the most annoying, the most angry, the most bitter, the most obnoxious, the most time-consuming, life-sucking, I can't kill, I gotta, I gotta stop. <laughs> and God will send them to you. And he'll send them to me and then I'll send them to you. Come on, son. (laughs) Jesus is saying, hey, I wanna give you a perspective beyond yourself. I want want you to have a kingdom mentality. I want you to begin to view life and inherit the whole earth, not just the stuff. Come on, watch the next verse. But I gotta say this before we move on. Meekness is not weakness. I just want to remind you. Meekness is strength surrendered to Jesus. Guys, that's so powerful. It's it's your anointing, your determination, your ethics, and your faithfulness all surrendered to Jesus. Come on. It's your Cajun pride, which is okay. Okay. It's your patriotism. Surrendered to God. To say, Lord, I am not here to get my way. I am here to lead people into yours. Meekness is the strength of God. Surrendered by the child of God. Number two. In order to maintain or even to receive or gain this kind of meekness and inheritance, I believe that we need to restore a hunger for him. Like, truly, a hunger for God. A hunger, let me, I don't even like to use the word God, because we think God, and, we, and then we view God like Abraham Lincoln on the monument, and I'm just a little ant, and if I mess up, to hell you go. No, no, I'm talking about restoring a hunger for a personal relationship. You can take your religion and flush it back where it goes. I'm talking about a hunger for a personal relationship with a heavenly Father. I'm going to say this carefully. Jesus Christ did not come down from the throne, die on the cross, then raise himself from the dead... Give up everything so that we could form a new religion besides Judaism. Jews were better than anybody alive today with works and practices. But what they were missing was the relationship. A hunger for righteousness. A thirst for the things of God. Matthew 5, verse 6, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they shall be satisfied. Now look, this this verse is too good for me not to come back to. This is, I have a lot of favorite verses, but like this is one of the ones that really stood out to me because if you know me at all, I am not the person that is known for just being happy. (laughs) Like I'm I'm not a rest for your soul kind of a guy. I, I'm more of like a restless and get your junk done kind of a guy. That's a, I'm, I'm, I'm. Even when I'm, I don't have anything to do, I feel like I'm supposed to be doing. So, can I get any just witnesses? Is anybody just waving with me in their heart? <laughs> I, I'm a, I'm a easily frustrated and and easily annoyed, irritable type. In fact, like. I fit into a personality type. They call me the Challenger. Like I, and I didn't even know. Like, well, I was just taking the test and being honest. And they're like, "You're the Challenger." And I was like, "Oh yeah, I want to be a Hellcat." Come on, somebody's <laughs> like, "I just, you know, I'm the Chant." No, it's not like that. It basically means if there is something wrong to be found, you'll find it. <laughs> and so when I read this verse. Blessed is he who hungers and thirsts for righteousness, and they will be satisfied. Other versions, and this word actually just means to be filled, to be full, and satisfied. When I read that, I think, man, what was missing was not another accomplishment. Y'all with me? What was missing was not another accolade. It wasn't another dollar amount. It wasn't another project completed. What was missing was my hunger and my thirst. Guys, so when something's wrong in here, it's not evidence that something's wrong out there. It's something. It's an. It's a sign from God. Come on. Your priorities are misplaced again. You're... You're worried about worldly things again. You're you're too focused and too full on too many other things. I need you to go back to where you're hungering and you're thirsting for the relationship that I crucified my son so that you could have. How much does God care about you? He loves you as much as he loves Jesus. How do I know? Because he killed Jesus so he could have you. That's how much he cares about the relationship that he wants to have with us. I, I stole this one in resource as well. I, um, some of you may not even know who, what this is or who it is. It's way before your time, but it's so popular. There's this guy named Bono. <laughs> Anybody not know who that is? Like, wake up and get off of TikTok. Okay, so this, this guy named Bono from a band called U2, which is like a billion-dollar net worth band. A billion it would take you 15 years to count to a billion. That's a lot, okay? Um, Bono himself is worth $700 million. He, he's a great example of someone who has everything that the world has to offer, and yet he wrote this song. Some of you may know it. Oh, I still haven't found Oh, you sinners listening to secular music. Still haven't found what I'm looking for. Everything the world has to offer, my man still haven't. You know why he hasn't found it? Because he's not looking in the right place. Because this world and another project and another job and another home and another car, although those things are nice, and I love that smell. The new car smell. Come on. Like, I walk past a car in a parking lot. That's how I get new car smells. I'm like, hmm, that's nice. I, it's been a long time since my parents bought me one of these. <laughs> that doesn't fill you. A week or two. <laughs> Give a kid everything they want at Christmas. This is such a great example. Give a kid everything they want at Christmas. Give it two days. And they're still frustrated over something. Why? Because that can't buy, you can't buy satisfaction. It's not an accident that Jesus followed, blessed are the meek, and they shall inherit the earth with, and blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. These two go together. Because meekness is not weakness, it's strength surrendered. And the way that you actually inherit the earth and receive rest for your soul and satisfaction for your spirit is to develop a hunger and a thirst for righteousness. And righteousness has a name, and his name is Jesus. You can inherit the whole earth and be empty. Because satisfaction does not come from surroundings. Satisfaction, this is so important. Satisfaction for your soul, rest for your soul, f- the, the fulfillment of your spirit. It can only be found in a personal relationship with your Savior, and nobody can give you that except for you and Jesus. I, I wish, man, like I, I look around and, and, and then I see people that I haven't seen in a while in other places. And they don't, you know, they're not all churched in those places. And then they forget that I'm there. And then sometimes I forget that I'm there. (laughs) I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor. This town is too small. (laughs) Okay. I gotta be careful who I honk at in Eunice. Like, When I honk, I wave and smile. Now, I might be cursing you on the inside. No, it's cussing. Not, I didn't say cussing, I said cursing. Like, you're a blooming fool. Oh, they don't go to my church. Ah! <laughs> I'm sorry. I believe because this has happened to me, and it happens to me all the time. Why do, you, why do we fast for a week in the fall And 21 days to open the year. And why does God make me fast lunch 8 to 5 one day every week? Why do we do those things? Because I get distracted. And I have to disconnect myself from the things that I begin to focus on. I believe that the main reason we don't hunger for righteousness is because we are too full on too many other things. We are too full. We have too many other opportunities to gorge ourselves. Somebody sent me a, I probably shouldn't say this, I'm going to say it anyways. Somebody sent me a, a video. My wife won't let me have TikTok because there's not enough like filters and accountability on that for in her opinion. And so I say, yes ma'am. And I don't have TikTok, but people send me videos and I can like watch it through Safari and it logs it. And then my wife can see what I see and do you know what I know and, and all that stuff that takes place for me um that's just healthy accountability but I watched one and it was this this preacher um and he was just mad at everybody I mean he's mad at everybody in the room and and he was preaching on on how I shouldn't have facial hair <laughs> and how and we should be clean shaven and he's wearing a, a suit and a tie. Actually, he's not wearing a suit jacket because he's just wearing his shirt, and he's sweating through his shirt, and his fat love handles are hanging over his belt. And I'm thinking, man, this dude needs to start worrying about my beard and start focusing. (laughs) Isn't it funny (laughs) how we love to preach about what everybody else is doing? but we don't like to pay attention to what we need to be doing. No, I got quiet. I said we're too full on too many other things. See, you're not mad at the world, you're mad at yourself. Because my attitude towards everything else, oh, this is so good. My attitude towards everything and everybody else is really just a reflection of my attitude towards myself. And my attitude towards myself is really just a reflection of my attitude towards God. See, when I begin to see myself as my Heavenly Father sees me, then I begin to see others as my heavenly Father sees them. But when I'm too full on too many other things, I don't just miss opportunities, I miss God. I miss the fulfillment of life that God has for me. This is what it means when Jesus says, I have come that you may have life and have it in abundance. He's not talking about having a bigger financial statement. Or more things that are going to rot and rust when you're gone. That's not what he's talking about. Guys, listen to me. Sin is like junk food. Such a good example. Sin is like junk food. It tastes good, come on, but you pay for it later. Come on, I can't get this. You know what I mean? It tastes good at first. And it's not even sin. It, It could be anything that God doesn't have for you in that moment. And I believe that we get fed up with God because we are overeating everywhere else. Why don't you come to the table? Overeat with Jesus. Boy, that'll preach in South Louisiana, huh? Because it doesn't matter how much you have or how much you don't. There will always be a hole in your heart when you are not where you're supposed to be with him. I think of when I have the opportunity to travel, uh, and, and, and I always try to take somebody with me. I don't like going places alone. I learned that from Billy Graham. So if, but if I can't take my wife or my family, I try to recruit somebody or take somebody, because somebody always wants to be with you, whether you believe it or not. And so I like to take and, and, but when I'm away from my wife and my family, like I thank God that I didn't continue in my baseball career because number one, I wasn't that good. Number two, I don't like being away from them. And then I thank God that like he lets me pastor a church and I'm not like a full-time evangelist that has to preach in other places 50 weeks a year. I respect those guys and ladies tremendously. But when I'm on my way home, I don't know about you, but when I'm on my way home, I don't have a tendency to wait until I get home to eat. Anybody with me? Like, I eat the whole time. I don't even have to be hungry. I don't even like sunflower seeds. Like, they're not even really that good. But I will eat a whole bag in the car. I know I already had a Red Bull. I want another one. I'm bored, right? We're just driving down the road. You guys ever eat those little, what are they called, Bugles? You put them on your fingers, those things are so gross. But every road trip, man, I'm in. Like, I want some bugles, man. No other time am I ever like, golly, I want some bugles. Gas station bugles. Pizza combos, I mean, they put pizza flavor in a pretzel. Oh my, I don't want them any other time. Like, I never walked through Walmart, like, where are the combos? Where are the combos? Gas station, I'll take all the combos. This is all I'm eating today. It's my combo. And I get home, I've been gone for several days, so my wife's like trying to impress me, <laughs> and she cooked. And so <laughs> And I walk in, and I can smell the food, but I'm full. And so I do what any good man of God would do. I lie. Oh, I'm so hungry. <laughs> oh, 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 it's so good. Oh. Red Bull and Bugles are like right here and I'm trying to smother it down and something's been sitting in the Crock-Pot all day. You know what I mean? It just doesn't work. It's not, it doesn't do what it's supposed to do because I'm too full on too many other things and there's no room for what I actually needed. Come on, the nourishment. Come help me close so that I'll quit. The nourishment that I really needed. And you can inherit the whole earth and be empty. Why is the divorce rate so high in Hollywood? Because they haven't found the right person? No, listen to me, friend. Marriage is not about you finding the right person. Marriage is about you becoming the righteousness of Christ. And when you do that, it won't marry, it won't matter whether you're married to the right person or whether you're married at all. Because your satisfaction won't come from your spouse. Oh, that's good. Your satisfaction The rest for your soul, it comes from your heavenly Father. The Spirit of the living God. The one thing in the universe that never changes. That's always been and will always be. Ephesians chapter 5 addresses this, and i got to land this. I'm just trying. Can you tell how hard I'm trying today? I'm trying so hard to not just help you get this, but to, to, to believe it and, and actually operate in it myself. Ephesians chapter five, verse 18, it says, don't be drunk with wine. I, I, I know people that work all day and all they think about is getting home and having a glass of wine. Or getting home and relaxing with a beer. And I'm not saying that there's like that's gonna send you to hell. That's not what I'm saying. I know people that work all week and all they think about is getting to the weekend. Guys, what an unfulfilling life. That that's what we work for. And 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 Paul's writing to the church in Ephesus, and he says, Don't be drunk with insert whatever you want to insert. Because in this passage of Ephesians 5, the context of this, he's already said, and don't be greedy. And he's told the church, don't compare yourselves to other people as the foolish Gentiles. So don't be drunk with social media scrolling. Oh, I got you. I got you. Comparing your reality to somebody else's filtered fantasy. Don't be drunk with envy. Don't be drunk with comparison. Don't be drunk with lust for earthly temporary possessions. Don't be drunk with secular success. Certainly he addressed things like impurity and immorality. When you're exhausted, what do you go to? That's a great question. Because it shouldn't be a what. It should be a who. Immorality and impurity. Because why? Because that will ruin. Now I looked this word up because I wanted to know. And it meant what I thought it meant. The, the Greek of this word ruin, it actually means waste. It's emotionally wasteful. It's physically wasteful. It's spiritually, one of the definitions was unsaved. So it could read, because that will unsave your life. Don't be drunk with insert whatever you've been going to, because that is a waste of what God has given you in your life. But instead, oh, it's so good. Because God is not a don't daddy. He's a do this instead, daddy. But instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, when Pentecostals, we like, we're thinking lay hands, shout in tongues, raise the dead, heal the sick, shandala. Yes, that's what we think, but I, and I'm for that. I believe in the personal prayer language because it's in the Bible. Last week was Pentecost Sunday, and we did the Beatitudes. We knew it was coming. We just did what we thought God wanted us to do where we were. But aren't you glad? Come on, tune in. I'm landing. Aren't you glad that Pentecost is not subject to a Sunday? Come on, that you can be filled by the Spirit of God every time that you go to the Spirit of God. I don't have to lay hands on you for God to touch you. Come on, somebody, that's good. You don't need somebody else to go to God on your behalf. In fact, we need to get over the idea that we do need somebody. We need to learn how to go to Jesus in the name of Jesus, whether everybody or anybody else around is going to him or not. You will be filled with the Holy Spirit. Anytime, this is not in your notes, anytime that you take the time to pursue God's presence, he will reveal himself to you. And guess what? Anytime that you don't, no, 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 he will. You just won't recognize it. So I close with this last statement. I'm challenging this church. Give Jesus the rest of this year. Like, don't wait till our fall fast. Do it now. You wanna be filled with the Holy Spirit? Wake up tomorrow morning and spend time with him. Give Jesus the rest of this year. All in, all in. You guys, there are levels of your relationship with God that you will never know until you lead somebody else to him. Well, I've already done next steps. I've done Freedom Group. Great, now it's your turn to host, to lead, to co-lead. And some people, they do everything that the church has to offer, and then they forget that Jesus said, go and make disciples. And so you're missing an aspect of your relationship with God because you thought it was just about you being ministered to. Instead of understanding that it's now about you ministering to somebody else. If you've never gone through next steps, go. If you've never been water baptized, then sign up right now. We have one coming up. If you've never been in a small group, you've got to do that this year. If you've never gone through a freedom group, you've got to do that this year. If you have, what are you waiting for? Come on, give Jesus the rest of this year. All in. Not halfway in. Not a quarter. Not a third. Come on, not 4%. Not even 10%. All in.